Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Hello and welcome to the 94th episode of the Midnight Film Review. I am your co-host, Brian Stevens, and with me as always... What are you doing? My name's Colin Smith. What are you doing over there? I'm trying to I'm trying to up our game a little bit, dude. Trying to do the Casey Kasem smooth radio hits voice. I'm trying to make it sound more professional. I'm trying to give it that. <laughs> I'm Troy McClure. <laughs> Colin, how are you doing today, man? Honestly, I, I feel surprisingly good. You seem I'm, pretty chipper. I'm way more awake than I have been for like the last six episodes. We'll, we'll just throw a number out there arbitrarily. <laughs> Let's say the last six episodes. So, uh, I, you know, you, I don't know if you're going to get treated to uh, to the same. <laughs> I think I feel like your body's yeah. getting used to this right now. That's what I think. <laughs> My body is ready. Your body's getting used to the pounding that it's taken over the last month. I mean, maybe, or or maybe not. Maybe this is like, you know, how when you get really severe radiation poisoning, <laughs> your second wind, this you is your feel second awful. Wind? Like, like twenty four hours later, you feel great. Uh, that's what this is. That's what that is. And then all of your cells die, start dying because they can't, you know, they they can't divide, can't can't grow anymore. Wow. And then it's just horrible, catastrophic, painful okay. death after that's that. That's a horrible picture so, to paint. But we're we're, <laughs> we're in the uh, man. What, what's the like the calm before the st- there? There's some there's some euphemism that would explain. What, what I just described, yeah, the like eye that. of the storm, <laughs> eye of the tiger. Yeah, um, this week we have <laughs> a great episode. We are gonna chat about some things in open discussion. Gonna have a, it's gonna be like a little bit of a recap session. We're gonna talk a little bit about Movie Pass and AMC's fight for the right to have your money, uh, even though AMC still gets the money in the end. Anyways, we'll talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about Wonder Woman and how it exceeded all expectations. Uh, a Obi-Wan Kenobi solo film? Question mark? Question mark? And we're also we're also going to talk a little bit about this plan by movie studios to get your money at home. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Not, not them. Not um, them. So... Oh, wait. No, you're not done. Don't no, let me cut you off. We're still going. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple emails this week, some really good emails this week. Uh, excited to talk about these these emails. And no media hot takes this week. I think we um, – I'm going to – I'll plug something in instead Okay. Uh, of, of that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then we're going to end with a review of not Hitman's Bodyguard, <laughs> not Logan Lucky, but Wind River. Yeah, I mean – did we did we offer Logan Lucky as a possibility? Yeah, those were the two. We were kind of like, uh, maybe this, maybe that. Oh, okay. And we we went we we juked. It, well, you were like, don't commit to one. That's true. I did you, say that. You were like, don't do it because that's what we always do, and then we always turn around. And Classic like, midnight film review. See something else. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So where do you want to start, Colin? I'll, I'll let dealer's choice. Let you. Uh, I'll that, be a dealer. That'd be you. Yeah. Um, play, let's just let's just choice. talk about. About Movie Pass, since isn't that okay. where you started? Yeah, sure, and let's do it. Uh, oh, oh, we're being sarcastic now, huh? <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I can do that too. I love being sarcastic. 
Okay. Sorry. Uh, all right. So. <laughs> yeah. To, so, so movie pass. It's this thing. I need to uh, regain my composure here. Apparently, where you can see movies for ten dollars a month. Yeah, um, they had a little trouble though. Uh, we yeah. should mention. I tried to re-sign up for it, and that was a complete failure. Their website was down. Although they did, they did send out an email and a message on Twitter today that uh, their app is fixed, and so is their website. So if you want to sign up now, you can. I I tried last week too, uh, like twice over a two-day period, and was not could not get their website to respond. So yes, same here. Yeah. Uh, so like we had mentioned last week, AMC was pissed off about this they did not like what they were hearing from movie pass and um we kind of mentioned it i think we talked about like it would be really hard for amc not to comply with this because most of the ticket buying is done through a debit card that's uh, loaded up a prepaid debit card it's kind of like a prepaid debit card they load the cash onto a debit card uh, for whatever movie you're going to see according to the theater and then you just you use that card and unless which, unless AMC refuses to take all MasterCards, then there really is no way for them to block this. Yeah. Well, they so they we did talk we talked about this for a decent amount of time last week, uh, but they took one step. <laughs> I feel like they're testing defensive strategies. Yeah. So <laughs> obviously, I don't know. I mean, it's so quick. I really doubt they could have filed anything in court yet. Uh, I think they just. There were just rumblings of legal action being taken. Threats, yeah. But what they did is in two different markets, I, I forget which states they were, Colorado and Denver and Boston. Denver and Boston, yeah. So they basically disabled online ticket pre-purchasing for these two Was I don't even know if it was all of these two cities, but... Yeah, yeah that wasn't clear. Um, so this... <laughs> yeah. It... it it accounts for for like what's six percent of a what was the statistic? I don't even remember. Uh, yeah, man, okay. we're good at this. <laughs> Just getting better all the time. E-ticketing yeah. is a feature that only it's only available at roughly six percent of the locations that were targeted. That, I mean, that first of all, that's like why even bother? But second of all, really, so. I just, it's been so long since, man, I feel like, how is a movie theater still not selling online <laughs> tickets? I don't, like, I don't even know what to say to that. Even, even before, like, the same two Cinemark theaters we end up always going to, even before they rolled out uh, assigned seating, you know, for big showings, you want to always make sure we would get our tickets in advance. Yeah. Um, so you never want to be surprised. I just like in this day and age with smartphones and I mean uh, yeah, the wor- the world wide webs. How do you not sell online tickets? It seems like Cinemark is like one of the only um, theaters that really has embraced it. How is that possible? I don't. I, it doesn't make sense at all. I don't know. I don't. I it. I mean, uh, in like you said, in this day and age where literally. I mean, we've been buying concert tickets and theater tickets online for years, decades even. Yeah. Over a decade. And you you still can't get movie tickets online. Uh, it's silly. And, I mean, you know, whatever. That's AMC's issue they're going to have to deal with. Um, so I guess just to sum up, if you want to do Movie Pass, if that seems like something you want to do, 
which I don't see why you wouldn't want to do it if you <laughs> if you can manage to get their website to yeah to <laughs> stay up long enough to finish the transaction. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that should be up and working. Um, anything else you want to say about Movie Pass? I think we should move on to uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah, I mean, good luck, AMC. Uh, well, actually, so I think we should mention one other thing that that article revealed is that AMC was in partnership talks oh, yes. with Movie Pass yes. uh, before this whole paradigm shift and new ten dollar a month offer was announced so it seems like there was a falling out and movie pass went forward unilaterally and yeah. uh amc is, is not happy about that so yeah it kind of i mean that's that's what it, it seems like a scorned lover is what it seems is what it seems like well they i mean so they are not going to have a seat at the table uh yeah you know but at the same time they're not in any worse position than any of the other theater chains right now so uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever we'll see. All right, let's move on. So, what a weird summer this has been, movie wise. We've had some really good movies, we've had some pretty okay movies, and we've had a few that disappointed. But I don't think anything met our expectations, box office wise. The way that Wonder Woman ex- that that whole sentence I just said didn't make sense. Nothing exceeded our <laughs> expectations, box office wise, more than Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman blew the doors off of cinemas this summer, and I'm not exaggerating. So, uh, what are we? Do you have the number in front of you domestically? Where what we're at? Yeah. So right now, um, Wonder Woman has taken in four hundred and over four hundred and four million dollars domestic. Wow. It has. That's it, insane. It has been in release uh, for. 81 days and Batman vs Superman uh, was in release for 84 days and in that time it only took in over a little over 330 million dollars so it has absolutely crushed domestically every other Warner Brothers DCEU film at least yeah and just to get and I actually just where you were talking I pulled this up just to give you an idea of how big a movie this is the only movies that right now have made more money domestically in the history of DC movies uh, this I'm talking this goes way back uh, is the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises yeah which were cultu- which were cultural phenomenons so I think it's safe to say that Wonder Woman is a cultural phenomenon now um, I mean I think I mean I think so too and then the other thing about the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises is they were both in theaters Dark Knight Rises was in theaters 147 days, and The Dark Knight was in theaters 231 days. That's insane. <laughs> Which, I mean, I don't even, that that has to be close to maybe not, but that is an absurd amount of time. Um, so yeah, Wonder Woman, who you know this this film, we complained that it was not making the money that it deserved to make. Even though it had a fairly strong opening um, compared to, uh, you know, a similar origin story superhero film, yeah, uh, it has come a long way, and it, at least domestically, it it's doing, I think, better than we could have hoped for, um, better than we hoped for. I, I just, 
there was uh, there was a period where we weren't sure if it was going to quite take Dawn of Justice, and it's still questionable whether that is going to happen as far as combined gross, but uh, you know I. <laughs> I think we should be happy with American audiences. Yeah, I agree. And the thing is, Colin, is this movie didn't get a a warm reception in in some of the countries that that Batman or Superman. Like, China didn't didn't love this movie. Um, It didn't get a huge push in uh, a lot of the uh, traditional markets. I'm sure this didn't do, do great in Europe. Uh, particularly Germany. Um, poor Germans. They're always vilified, right? Uh, but, I mean, I mean, honestly, though, this, this movie, I mean, we, we liked it okay. It wasn't, I don't think it redefined the genre. But what it did do was prove that a woman can lead a superhero movie. And, if anything, it's proved that Wonder Woman, at this point, might be DC's biggest character. Because they've pretty much shat on Superman, and <laughs> they just don't know what to do with Batman. They can't even get Ben Affleck to confirm that he's going to be in the movie. Uh, for you know, he was in it one day, he's in it the next. Um, which this just <laughs> popped in my mind. I forgot to, to mention this to you. So on Friday, Casey Affleck was uh, in Boston for throwing out the first pitch, and he hopped on their like little sports broadcast. And when asked about his brother being in the Batman, he said, uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to do that. And they were like, whoa, breaking news. And he's like, well, <laughs> I don't know. I really haven't really talked to him, so he might do it. Like, uh, So, again, I just go back to you know, how screwed up DCEU is. But they have found pure gold with, with Wonder Woman. And hopefully they understand why that is. And maybe now that Joss Whedon is in charge, maybe that'll continue to be be the case. Not going to hold my breath. Um, I will say, actually, China had a a very strong, uh, very strong box office gross for Wonder Woman. Um, oh, so I will take my foot and put it in my mouth. Yeah. So Batman vs Superman and and its its Chinese theatrical run did almost ninety six million, ninety five seven fifty, we'll say, and. Uh, Wonder Woman has done ninety and a half million. Oh, so, okay. you know, it's a, I mean, what a, a little over five percent difference. Uh, you know, not insignificant, but China, I mean, still a very strong Chinese box office, um, especially relative to Batman vs Superman. The difference is Wonder Woman did not screen in a lot of countries. Uh, I mean, I would, I would say like. Maybe a little, a little more than half of the countries that Batman vs Superman did. So, wow, that's um, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, but uh, anyway, I think that's enough talk about Wonder Woman. It was, it was fun, despite its flaws, and it was the first solid step forward for DC. Uh, hopefully, they build on it, but I, I have no expectations that that will happen really until we see it we can't say at least not for like another entire development cycle yeah so right like two years from now i don't know what well, well, anyway yeah, it well, is what it is on our 500 500th episode we'll look back and we'll say well yeah and look dc how far you've come <laughs> yeah there you go um all right so 
there's a there's an Obi Wan Kenobi film in the works. We already have a Han Solo film that's being reshot right now, but uh, we, which I'm sorry, this just means a little out there. Like the the Han Solo one, I I get. I mean, I would even I would even take a Chewbacca one, but. <clears throat> The, the Obi Wan, I was kind of joking there. Kyle, kind of give you a look like, are you no, serious? No, I mean, look, the pro- yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think audiences are ready for an alien protagonist. I'm just gonna throw it out there. Okay, I don't think we're ready for for Kashik yet. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Uh, but the the Obi Wan Kenobi one is just kind of silly to me because, so we saw him in the prequels, and we can assume for the most part what happens in between those. Uh, it's. I mean, I guess you could build a movie there, but I mean, what? Where do you? I don't know. Where does it start? Where like? Yeah, it. It really depends. I mean, it could really, really take it back a whole lot and do. Uh, so what? It's it's gonna be like twenty years since the prequel film. So we yeah. could do. Twenty years later, make an, an a film set earlier in time with Qui Gon and Obi Wan. <laughs> I mean, right? I just uh, no, but I don't think they're gonna. Do, I mean, look, we so we we know that at some point. Well, I, I guess you're right. So he Obi Wan takes young Luke to Owen and Brew on Tatooine, and he goes and hides in a cave and. Just kind of watches watches Luke. Right. I don't. Uh, I don't know. There's. I feel like maybe he can he can get into some shenanigans at some point. Cause see, I mean, he's one of a handful of Jedi that are still alive and hunted around the galaxy. I'm sure. Well, um, I don't really know uh, exactly what this says about the movie, but director Stephen Daldry is attached, who is an Oscar nominated director for such movies as. <laughs> Billy Elliot and The Hours, which are both very personal, dramatic movies. So, I mean, maybe this is going to be a super serious uh, drama about Obi-Wan Kenobi learning how to, to be a Jedi and forgetting his his feelings. I, I, don't, uh, know. I, I don't think... Well, I mean, there's always the... Uh, so just because he's... The, we could have people coming to look for him or people threatening the Lars family and Obi-Wan having to step in and whoop some ass, uh, <laughs> you know? So I, I think actually, now that I say that, I think there's definitely plenty of room for intrigue on Tatooine, I guess. Um, I mean, I guess you could, I don't know, maybe a political thriller in a way? Uh, uh, it's, well, it's not going to be political because Tatooine is like this shithole backwater that yeah. people go to hide. It's it's in the Outer Rim, so it's not really <laughs> directly governed by the Empire. Yeah. Um, they're aware of it, but that's why. that It's it's pretty much owned by the Huts, so it's owned by this criminal cartel. Yeah. Uh, uh. So I don't know. I, I just I yeah. I think you could do something kind of fun or interesting there. I I just I don't think it would be as grand as maybe what we're used to. But th- what this is based on is we have a an interested director and Ewan McGregor has previously expressed willingness to step back into the role, and uh, it'd be really interesting to see him. In this, as this character, without 
dialogue written by George Lucas. Oh, yes. And without George Lucas directing the film. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I I think uh, so. Daldry's other movies are The Reader, which is a, another serious drama, and The Crown. So I think I don't know. Doesn't that? I mean, I feel like that's kind of uh, pointing pointing things in a certain way. I could be wrong. Maybe he's going to step out of the box, but it 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 doesn't matter at this point. We, we're just kind of guessing. I guess I don't, I don't know. We're speculating we're speculating that's what we're doing yeah uh but that's what we always do on the midnight film review well and you know just just because we think that obi-wan landed on tatooine and never left doesn't mean it's true they can they they could write whatever they want exactly yeah i i just uh we'll see i i feel like kathleen kennedy lucas lucas arts disney whoever you want to call them they haven't haven't taken any any huge risks and they haven't taken any big missteps yet although I, I i was still pretty disappointed with rogue one even though it was an it was a okay film um so it was a, str- a strange film go listen to that review yeah there you uh, go. one of the only films that the the final act is stronger than the beginning of the film uh it's very strange but right. that's neither here nor there I, I well i mean really we need to see what happens with this young Han Solo project, and that and, is, I think, the key to the rest of uh, this universe. Because that's, yeah, I mean, that's going to be their first attempt handling uh, a beloved character in a period of their life that we have not seen addressed. So, moving on, this is the meat and potatoes of the show. You ready for this? Yep. Movie studios are thinking of shrinking theatrical release windows. So uh, no more 230-day movie uh, theater runs like we had for The Dark Knight. Uh, And with the idea of streaming movies at home a little so more quickly. So the idea is if they can get, you know, if you don't see the movie within the first, I don't know, I guess 30 days, uh, your chances of seeing it obviously go down. Movies get pushed out. They don't get streaming until I think... Right now, it's around 90 days uh, for a movie to come to streaming. Um, early streaming you can do on stuff like um, Time Warner allows for early streaming, as does Amazon Prime. But that'll cut co- that'll cost you a pretty penny. So right now, it, they usually do it. I think after 60 some odd days, they'll let you stream a movie. But that is for 20 or so dollars, depending on the movie. Um, this cuts that down to th- around 30 days but those movies would cost customers between 30 to 50 dollars a film well we so we talked about and the, this article mentions it i don't remember the name of the company or the service but it was sean i think sean parker of napster fame for all you 90s yeah. kids out there screening um, room screening, screening room. room who wanted to put a company together to basically create this premium service um, with like hardware, attached hardware that would let you I think his was closer to theatrical though, it wasn't yeah. It wasn't with a 30 day window But so this is somewhere in between those two things uh, I, don't, I don't I mean so I, I, like I would be all for this 
but I would never pay for this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna say, I just like there's so many films where the I would love to have a theatrical experience without other people involved, so they don't <laughs> yeah. talk and pull out their cell phones. But you know, even with the home, you'd have to have a pretty nice home theater set up to make it anywhere close to yeah. what you're going to get and especially if you see something in a, a nice IMAX theater or XD or whatever your local screening houses fancy brand ex- extreme theater is so <laughs> I mean I so I, I appreciate the effort what they're trying to do here um, you know we see a lot of movies we're not the normal we're not the normal um human right now most people go to the movies once maybe twice a month depending on time of season movie release what movies were being released um but 30 dollars seems reasonable 50 i know it's only 20 more dollars but that seems a little excessive depending on the film i guess but i just could not imagine watching a movie like dunkirk at home and i think that to me is my biggest issue here is the movie theaters and the the production companies are missing the point here. The reason that things aren't going so well for them are because they aren't doing things that are interesting, and it's not they're not doing anything that's bringing people into the theaters. And it, has, it doesn't have to do with three D uh, or uh, you know making things more comfortable with Barca loungers and. It, you know, or even 4D. I'm sure you've heard of 4D where they like spray in the face and shoot smells up your nose. Like, tase you in the balls. Yeah. Like, that stuff doesn't make me want to see a movie more. I, uh, seeing a movie like Dunkirk is a, a experience, it's an event. And that's what going to the movies always was and always will be is it's an event to go to, an event to do. And when you continually pile trash heap on top of trash heap, at the cinema, you're going to do nothing but deter people from making it an outing that you can do. You know, I'm not going to go see another shitty movie with my girlfriend when we can go find something else better to do with her time. Yeah, I mean, so part of this is definitely a response to a problem that has... (laughs) I mean... So they're they're looking at it as a generational thing, which yeah. it, there there is some truth to that. But just make just make good movies. You want to make money. You want to have more people come to theaters. Make movies that are worth seeing in theaters. The other thing is this is not also not I think in a lot of ways going to be competing directly with a traditional theatrical audience, uh, especially if. It, seeing a film for the first time oh yeah um, for like, sure I, I just well, you know watching it at home after you've already seen it is one thing but especially uh, just a like a cinematic film <laughs> something like right. Dunkirk uh, I just the kind, I, I don't know I, the kind of person who is willing to see that for the first time at home instead of theaters in theaters probably wasn't going to see it in theaters anyway so <laughs> right yes you know exactly may, maybe this I mean this might be a good idea that is not 
going to be addressing what it was in, intended to address. But the, the problem is there are so many, the way, the way the production studios and the way the theater conglomerates are set up, there, I, I just, I don't see any agreement happening. Right. Um, you know, there, <laughs> there's like four big studios and four big theater chains, chains if that, and they're all going to be, everybody's just going to want to go their own way. They're all going to want to do their own service. There's not going to be any, any uniformity, and I just, I would be surprised if anything like this got off the ground. I, I just, I don't, I think there'd be too much resistance. And you can't, as a, as, a, as a studio, you can't piss off the people that allow you to profit from your films. You can't piss off the theaters to a certain extent. Um, and it just, I don't, I don't think it's going to be, it just, to me, it's like, it's not going to be profitable enough. Like, how, how can they make it uh, worth anyone's while? Like, that, that's, I just don't... Um, I don't know. I just don't see how anybody is going to pay that much money to not go to a theater. I just, I think they're, at this point, they're just, we're seeing them grasp at straws again and again, trying to find ways to increase theater revenues without making better movies. Uh, that's what it comes down to. That's what all these dumb, gimmicky conversations come down to. Um, I, so I have some breaking news, Colin. Yeah. You ready for this? No, probably not. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to read this to you. Oh, no. <clears throat> Deadline is reporting that Todd Phillips, Scott Silver, and Martin Scorsese are on board to write slash direct a Joker origin film. Warner Brothers and DC are in the early stages of another Batman Universe spinoff movie, this one telling the origin story of signature villain the Joker. The studio has hangovers Todd Phillips to co-write with 8 Mile Scribe Scott Silver well, Martin Scorsese and Todd Phillips may split directing duties, but Martin Scorsese will definitely produce this film. This will be the first film under a new banner that has yet been named yet has yet to be named in which the WB can dis- expand the canon of DC properties. The intention is to make an origin story that is part of isn't part of any other iteration. And here we go. Well, I mean, what? Todd Phillips, the guy that directed The Hangover, you know, that guy, old school Todd Phillips. I mean, Martin Scorsese is just as a just as confusing. Yeah. But even there so they're we're doing non-DCEU films? Yeah. So he's something like totally how? Separate. I don't know. It doesn't not, not even why, but how? I mean, there's no answer for why. I just Warner Brothers once again not understanding. It's like, oh, Disney's doing these uh, Star Wars spinoffs. This this makes sense, right? <sighs> Your head hurt. I do not want to see a Martin Scorsese directed superhero film. Or a Todd Phillips. I mean, what? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have. <laughs> oh my God! Like, well, is this, Will Ferrell this... gonna play the Joker? I I mean. Scorsese tracking shots with fucking the Joker narrating flash his flashbacks. <laughs> Let me show you where it all started. <laughs> I mean, oh Colin, 
Sorry, I, I as soon as as soon as that alert came off my phone, I was that's like, this, the, I have to read this. That, one. I mean, that doesn't. That's not. Let's. That's not real. That's not a real thing. All right, you want to? Let's get into some some emails. Yeah. Um, where can they find us on the Why? email machine? <laughs> Fire up your computer. <laughs> point your web browser to do, now. Uh, midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. That's midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. <laughs> Well, if you didn't get it that time... Apply directly to the forehead. You're probably not going to email us if you didn't hear it that time. Uh, Colin, let's start out with Drew Mascarelli's email. Yes. You want to read that? Sure. So Drew says, How goes it, Midnighters? Wind River wasn't playing near me, so I didn't have the chance to see that. I did, however, see both The Hitman's Bodyguard, which was pretty bad, and Logan Lucky, which was pretty good. I also saw what might have been... One of the most offensive trailers I've seen in my life. I've linked it below, and I think it speaks for itself. Keep fighting the good fight, Drew. Thank you for your email, Drew. Um, yeah, so... I'm a little apprehensive about directing anyone to watch this trailer. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's so it seems like... There's a little bit of a spoiler. It seems like <laughs> Logan Lucky was probably what we should have seen this week. Maybe, yeah. In, in high, I mean, I think it was, in hindsight. Um, So Drew linked us to a trailer for a film. (laughs) If you want to call it that, let's... Called, yeah, uh, it's a a subtle title. I don't know if you'll pick up what what it's referencing or the subject matter. It's it's a little film called 9-11, starring Charlie Sheen, Whoopi Goldberg, (laughs) Luis Guzman... (laughs) I uh, yeah. So <laughs> we should we should also say that this movie is not directed by any of the Wayne's brothers. So, so I mean, surprisingly enough. Uh, so <laughs> also starring Gina Gershon, Wood Harris, Olga Fonda, Jacqueline Bisset. Yeah. Okay. But just a bunch, a whole bunch of. A whole bunch of nothing. So this trailer is immediately... I mean, obviously it's offensive on so many levels, but it doesn't look like you're watching... A, it doesn't look like a studio film. Um, it, <laughs> it doesn't look like a real film at all. It looks like I'm watching a parody. I kept uh, feeling like this is totally inappropriate. They're going to make me laugh at some point. It's just... It looks... It's... It looks so bad. Um, like, so bad. It. <laughs> Charlie Sheen looks like he just... doing Has been doing all the cocaine. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg looks like she thought she was in a comedy. Uh, Her wig is so ridiculous. Yeah, so this this director, um, what is it? What's his name? Martin Guigui, G U I G U I, Guigui, Guigui. I'm just looking at the other stuff he's done, and I don't know any of it. The Bronx Bowl, Beneath the Darkness, starring Dennis Quaid and two people I've never heard of. <laughs> Benny Bliss and the Disciples of Greatness, Camel Call, Swing. I just... 
I don't know what any of these <laughs> things are, but oh man, he's risen to new heights, or maybe sunk to new new depths. Um, so not only is this just incredibly offensive because of the subject matter, it also <laughs> is looks like it's shot entirely in a like a security control room and an elevator. <laughs> so it manages to take this horrific, ca catastrophic disaster and <laughs> film it from the two oh most boring perspectives you could think of. Oh. I just, it's like, it's, imp it's impressive. Uh, yeah, so... What, just wow! It's, I don't. I don't know what it, else to you say. You summed it up as soon as as soon as it started. The trailer started. You were like, "It's too soon. Like this is too soon. This this is this can't. You shouldn't be doing this right now." I just felt you feel dirty watching it. You need to wash. It is. Oh, Drew, Drew Mascarelli, you have outdone yourself, sir, with sending us this. I mean, trailer. the real question is, why isn't Nicolas Cage starring in this film? <laughs> Uh, Even he wouldn't go this low. That's you know what that's it just yeah it just looks so so bad. Oh my god. Uh, so I guess thanks. Drew? <laughs> Question mark? I don't really I don't really know. You know I guess knowledge is power. So knowledge is power. Uh, all right, we got another email. This one from Robert uh, Rob Bob. Yeah. Do you want me to read this one? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, I like the title of this one. It's Tinker Tailor Soldier Guy. <laughs> so Rob Bob says, Brian's Colin et al. First, I'm not mad at you guys. I usually listen to this podcast while I run home from work, and I'm usually too sweaty to compose an email. Ew. Colin said his girlfriend fell asleep watching Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. We saw it in the theater. My girlfriend said it was the worst movie she ever saw. <laughs> if anyone plans to watch this movie, be aware. The movie goes back and forth in time without making it obvious what year it is. It's very confusing, and we didn't realize it until halfway through the movie. I plan to secretly watch the movie again one day to figure out what the hell happened. Figure out what happened. Don't tell Jordan, because she will condemn me and lose all respect for me. <laughs> Secondly, the movie Dunkirk does need some setting up, contrary to Brian's review the other week. Actually, I feel like I was the one who was saying that. <laughs> I was. Uh, yeah, you were the one that yeah. was saying that. Anyway, my mom saw Dunkirk with her friends. Her friends wondered why the United States didn't help the British troops at Dunkirk. You know what? <laughs> that's, that's both a really good and a really bad question. Uh, according to my mom, the United States was a neutral country during the time of Dunkirk and did not become a belligerent nation until after Pearl Harbor, which was about 18 months later. Not everyone knows that. Sorry, Adam. Americans are dumb. Did you watch film uh, in quotations yet? With an asterisk? Good luck, Rob Bob. Sent from my gender-fluid iPhone, which is low on gender-fluid. The asterisk goes on to explain, Samuel Beckett, in quotes, waiting, in quotes, waiting for Godot, Godot, won a Nobel Prize for literature. He made a movie, but he didn't write it because it was a silent film. Buster Keaton was the star of the movie. It's about 20 minutes long and is called Film. You should watch the movie and tell us how it is. I think it's the 60th anniversary of the film. By the way, it's a film and not a movie because the title is Film and Not Movie. Which, we've read that before, but, yeah. you know. He's just going to keep pounding away until we do it. I, I totally forgot, yeah, but too. personally, I, I blame you. <laughs> That's fair. I'll take it. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, wow. Thanks for that lengthy email, Rob Bob. Uh, 
you we hadn't heard from you in a while. You definitely um, are back with the Avengers. Yeah. Well, Bob, it was it was nice nice to hear from you. I would say, is Jordan Jordan your girlfriend's name? Yes, that is correct. I would say wait until Jordan goes for a girls' night or something, uh, or she you know falls asleep too early, and sneak away and rewatch Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I think. I think you'll appreciate the film more. Um, I I don't know. I always I'm always like watching, especially a movie that I like, mm-hmm. or that I think is going to be good. Yeah. Like apprehensive watching it with my girlfriend because I'm like she hates it. She's going to hate it. <laughs> I hate like, watching movies like that too. I'm. I'm being judged right now. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to enjoy this movie, and I can't. So yeah, you know it's. It's definitely not a film for everybody. There's some serious issues, but I think for Gary Oldman's performance alone, if you're a a movie buff, it's worth checking it out for that. So, uh, speaking of Gary Oldman, I'm going to. Um, so I, I did see Hitman's Bodyguard uh, this this past week, uh, and instead of re- reviewing that on Media Hot Takes or whatever, or even reviewing as a feature because Colin didn't see it. I forced him to see Wind River instead. Uh, I went on another podcast. Colin, I cheated on you for 20 minutes or so. I and you didn't you didn't tell me about it either. I t- it totally slipped my mind, and, I, and I'm sorry. Um, so I went on the Film Gist. Uh, podcast is Film Gist. Um, you can check out that review at filmgist.com. Uh, I want to say thank you to Nick Rodriguez, who kindly invited me on to review with him the hitman's bodyguard and so if you want to hear that review or my thoughts on uh gary oldman's performance in hitman's bodyguard head over there filmgist.com give it a listen i promise uh, it'll be worth your time they have a lot of short quick reviews they it's all non-spoiler they just focus on a review it's a it's a gist get it film gist get the gist of it I, I, it's a, I don't are you are you trying to say... I'm not even going to do it. <laughs> Film right. Gist. Yeah, Film, I'm with you. Filmgist.com. Check those guys out. They're great. Uh, hope to have, um, if Colin approves it, um, Nick on for maybe a, uh, a three-way on here. For oh, a movie. That's very Kinda saucy. Uh, yeah. All right. That'll do it for open discussion. No meaty hot takes. We'll be right back with a review, non-spoiler style, of Wind. Colin, we are back. We are back from our trip to the tundra of Wyoming. Yeah. The mountainous tundra that is Wyoming. Uh-huh. For a review of Wind River. Are you Irish? I am. Are you a Scot? I don't know what, where you're, where, where that accent was going. So, I, I think the synopsis sounds pretty good from uh, good old IMDb. I agree. An, an FBI... Let me try this again. An FBI agent teams with a town's veteran game tracker to investigate a murder that occurred on a Native American reservation. Yeah. This movie was directed and written by Taylor Sheridan. Uh, You may know that name. He wrote uh, Hell or High Water as well as Sicario. 
This is, I believe, his directorial debut. Am, am I right on that one, Callan? Let me check. Uh, I... Not quite. This is... <laughs> he directed a film called Vile, which I've never heard of. And, uh, yeah, and it uh, doesn't seem like it's very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that's, that's what the, the internet seems to, to indicate. So. Uh, so this movie stars Jeremy Renner as uh, Corey Lambert. Um, <laughs> what? What's, what's what? Jeremy Renner as white audience surrogate. <laughs> the character. <laughs> Sorry. Elizabeth uh, L- yeah. Olsen as yeah. Jane Banner, Graham Greene as Ben. Uh, there are maybe a few other familiar faces um, along the way. I'm not going to mention one in particular. I think you know who I'm talking about because it might be a spoiler. Um, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. But uh, yeah, so this movie, I was really excited for this movie, Colin. I loved Sicario and Hell or High Water. I thought Hell or High Water script was absolutely fantastic. Um, one of my favorite scripts in, in, in recent memory. So I was pretty excited to see this movie. And um, in some ways, uh, I am disappointed. I'll be honest. Uh, I, I of, of all the things that you could told me uh, would not have been good in this movie, I would have never thought the script would have been one of them. And, uh, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit at leaving the theater, but the script really let me down in this movie. Um, I just, I don't understand the choices that Sheridan made in writing this. Uh, and if you compare it to the other scripts he's written, I think that anyone who holds this up will, would agree that this is really a poor attempt on his, on his part. And it's really weird because this is a movie he chose to direct. So I feel like, uh, it may have been a little bit personal for him in some way. Um, or maybe this was just his opportunity after these last two scripts, uh, he wrote, uh, were so successful that this was his opportunity to direct one. Um, I, I think that the the movie uh, suffers from some narrative issues that we'll get into when it comes time to talk about spoilers. I think that my biggest issue with this movie is uh, it paints itself as one thing when really it's it was never that all along, and that's unfortunate. Because uh, I liked where it was going, the dialogue I guess would be it's the second, by second biggest problem. There are a couple moments where I was like, kind of looking at you out of the side of my eye and kind of like just thinking to myself like, did that come off as bad as it sounded? Yeah, um, I, I mean I audibly sighed at one point be- yeah, uh, from did. one line. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it just yeah. Anyway, um, the tr- the um. The cinematography is gorgeous, and it, it it's kind of uh, it's really in contrast to both Sicario and uh, and Hell or High Water because this is a, a mountainous uh, frozen tundra, like I mentioned earlier. So, uh, but but I don't know if I didn't I should have looked, but I'm guessing he had the same cinematography photographer that uh, Villain Away. Uh, well, no, because that was Deacon. So. I doubt he had somebody that good working with him. Uh, I'm not sure who did Hell or High Water, but the cinematography was just as good as those other movies. Um, and it was really gorgeous. And he had some really good shots, some really sweeping shots. Um, so it's weird because, like I said, I thought he was going to struggle as a director, but I think a lot of his shots were really good. Um, any action in this movie I thought was was, was pretty good. And uh, I, I don't know. 
I, I still... I'm, I'm really crapping on this movie, and I didn't hate it. It just wasn't up to par. But I still don't know if Jeremy Renner is a good actor. I mean, you mentioned that you, you said something like, Jeremy Renner's a good actor, but... But it's like, I keep going back to... I can't think of a movie that I've seen Jeremy Renner in where I was blown away since The Hurt Locker. And I just... I don't know. I... I think that Elizabeth Olsen was miscast, but I think her character was also underwritten. A lot of the Native Americans in this movie were pretty good. Um, and there were a couple other performances that I'll talk about in spoilers I thought were pretty good uh, for the short time that they were on screen. But, yeah. Oh, the other thing I hated... I hated parts of the score. Uh, the score was kind of grating to me. But, um... Honestly, I didn't mind this movie as much as I'm complaining about it. I just feel like it didn't live up completely. Like, I'm not pissed I saw the movie. I, I kind of liked it. Um, but, yeah. What did you think, Colin? So, this film is, is as it has happened previously, is something where the more I step back from it, I, I think the more frustrated with it I become. Um, but... I mean, I, I think my complaints boil down can really be boiled down to kind of one idea uh, that this film is a very superficial treatment of the ideas that you think it's going to explore at the beginning or uh, that you think it's going to explore based on the the trailer. There are no there are no characters in this film. Um, there's no motivations for anybody to do anything in in this film uh it doesn't explore the the plight of the reservation um there are no native american characters in this film at at all i mean there are actors playing native american characters but the native american characters are not written really i mean there's sort of one character that has some any level of depth at all uh how about that and it's just the especially the way the film ends it there is literally a title card with a call to awareness call to action and the film does not address it doesn't address what it what that title card talks about at all uh the film is about a white outsider who comes in and I mean, saves the day, and just, just I, this film felt feels wrong to me. I think uh, the dialogue is really bad. There is no character writing. Uh, the cinematography is excellent. It is beautifully shot. Uh, the I think the direction. I mean, aside from the performances, the direction seems okay. I, I just, I don't, like, I don't know how this film was made. Yeah. Um, they, you start to set up pieces, and then you walk away from the board, is kind of what I felt like. Uh, it just no, nothing that is established early in the film ends up meaning anything or mattering or going anywhere. Uh but but I also I, I think this film is probably kind of uh, offensive could, could be offensive on a couple levels so 
Um, it's you know the <laughs> the the action scenes are well done and there's a lot of weight to them. Um, they're you know they're not they're not overly brutal, but they kind of don't shy away from some a hefty dose of realism in there. But no, nothing that happens in this movie feels earned. I you know I didn't really care about the the characters or and then didn't seem like the characters really cared about what was happening around them so uh yeah this film was i really expected in kind of an interesting mystery thriller and that uh, going into the film expecting that and it, it's not, I mean, it's not my fault for watching the trailer because I think the film does set it, build, build itself that way and try and set that up in the beginning. Uh, but it, it was pretty disappointing. I mean, this is not an, it's like not an awful movie. It, it was just pretty mediocre. Um, I, I think this film is going to be, it, if it weren't for the fact that this guy had just written like two incredible films uh, this film would be totally written off and totally forgotten, and I don't think Taylor Sheridan will get another shot. It just happens right. that he's written three scripts, two of which were incredible, and he chose to direct the one that wasn't incredible. And like you said, what does that mean? I mean, did did the directors in the other two films rewrite dialogue? Uh, yeah, but, but those films also have characters. Yeah, They all have great characters and character arcs I mean, and reveals. Sicario's uh, plot is way more difficult to navigate than this movie. Yeah. And the characters in Hell or High Water are way more fleshed out than any any single character, including Jeremy Renner in this. Not even close, I think. And that that's, and that's pretty much... Hell or High Water was a character study in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. I don't... I don't know. Uh, and, and, you know, it's like you... I've seen... You know, you're like, you know, this film could be offensive... Uh, and it's like I f- and, and I think you're right but it's funny because I don't I feel like he meant it to be the exact opposite and I just think that maybe I don't I just maybe don't think the script was right for him to direct I, I don't there is a movie in here that there is a quality script somewhere I think in there um, but I yeah I don't know. I, like I don't I don't know I don't I don't know if based on the the narrative I don't know if there is there are parts of an interesting story in there but I mean it is really basic like like I don't know let's go let's get this I think it's, I think it's beyond I think it goes a level beyond basic like basic is knowing where knowing what the twist is gonna be um, and this film just I. <laughs> I didn't feel like this the the narrative even tries. Uh, so, yeah, let's uh, let's get the spoilers. All right. Um, if you don't want to hear spoilers for Wind River, stop listening now. What, honey? Wow. Are you kidding really? me? You just ruin it every oh, time. Uh, I'll see you at home. Well, wait so a second. Rude. Now, how would you not know that that was taking place? Spoilers for Wind River. Well, I don't know. What is that? What are you doing? I don't know. I'm I don't just, know either. What, what? What? I can't just. Wind the river. <laughs> you're, you're quit trying to make Wind River a thing. 
What I can't I can't make wonder of her thing. Okay, fine. What's what is, what is the thing they say in what is the thing from that Key and Peel sketch? You know? I uh, know, I don't know. I forget what it was. I'll remember it like as soon as we stop recording. Um Okay. <laughs> uh Colin, I, I wanna I wanna talk about a few plot points. Um specifically the end. Um and uh, so there was no way that these dudes weren't the killers. Yeah. Uh, we The only mystery left once we got to these guys was whether or not it was justified in killing the other dude. If, like, I get my mind, I kept thinking, like, well, maybe he killed or he was raping the chick and they killed him and she ran off and now they're trying to cover it up. I thought that may be a twist because it would be a total different spin on things. Uh, something I hadn't seen before, you know. Oh, so, no. See, I thought, I thought the that whole thing was going to be their first glimpse into what was really happening. Like, there's some human trafficking ring being run oh, out of okay. this mining camp, or there's some okay. there, there's some drug smuggling op. You know, there's there's something bigger going on here, and it's connected to this camp, and they're trying to cover it up, but. So my, my question is, like, is this whole film an intentional subversion of, like, mystery thrillers? Because the character, the main character is always just like, just got to follow the path, signs are right there. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> shit's not complicated, we're literally going to follow the path to the killers, it and that's going to be how, yes. like, but that's so, that's so stupid. If that, I mean, it's, if you're trying to be clever by building a film around that I don't like conceit that. yeah I don't, I, I, you. I don't like that that is not but it, it makes it follows um, I I mean, know, it, I... it doesn't change the fact that the characters are horseshit uh, and the dialogue is horseshit but at least the narrative would make sense if he was just giving audience a mi- giant middle finger by saying this is how things work in real life just yeah. follow the trail yeah. uh, no you're right I guess I just I mean it, it I think there are a couple logical steps that... Does it make sense that those guys would still be around doing this? Well, there. so there's something... So, all right, so let's, let's take a step back. But, but related to that, so Jeremy Renner is off trail. Why is he circling around the back in the first place? What, what was the... Like, I didn't even catch the explanation for that. They say something. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, Cause then all of a sudden it's like, is he looking for the the lion? Like what? Like I don't. Well, no, he sees tracks, but why did yeah. they send him? But he sees. So he sees another snowmobile track. Uh huh. Well, I, I mean, and follows it. Uh, like, am I? You know, I'm not the smartest man, but I'm not stupid, and I watch a lot of movies, and I what. <laughs> What the director was trying to tell us through visually through that scene, um, so obviously he, he understood that. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, he, so here's here's what I was thinking. Somehow, he Jeremy Renner's character understood that they had dumped the body near the sketchy brothers drug den oh, okay. to make it look that, yeah 
right? To, yep, yep. But, I mean, that, I'm not even sure that that is what happened. It just, you know, it kind of fits. That fits, yeah. I think, I, no, I think you're right. I think that makes sense. But, I mean, what the, what the fuck was all that about? Like, I, what did we miss? I feel like we missed something. I, I don't think we did. I just don't think it's there. If you accidentally saw Wind River, <laughs> A, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, and B, t- tell us what tell us what happened. What did Jeremy what did Jeremy Brenner see? What did he see? <laughs> like how did he know that uh, you know, they uh, just because it's it's not like those two places we understand them to be connected. They take the road there. Yeah. Like, we don't see that there's, like, a, you know, the snowmobile trail. And then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't feel like there's a logical connection because I don't think the film made one. Um, I mean, but I, I, I still, I have a problem with, I mean, what, like, once the woman, once the girl's body's found and they know that she's been raped and there's DNA inside of her, yeah, I, it doesn't make sense why these people are hanging around. Like the guy yeah. who raped her, why is he hanging out? No, that's true. Um, I I don't. It, as realistic as this movie tries to be, there there are little gaps like that in there. Um, I don't understand why he's going to just shoot an FBI agent and think he's going to get away with it. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. uh, that's a little crazy. I, I mean, if. We don't see these characters at all in the movie, so we don't know their personality. Yeah. Uh, the only thing we see is uh, John Barenthal <clears throat> boning his girlfriend, and these five drunk dudes come in, and then he fight tries to fight them all. And uh, <clears throat> which, just... which by the way, was the only part of the movie that felt really grounded in reality to me. And what I was going to say is, it's a small. I mean, what ten minutes? Maybe ten minutes. If that, yeah. And. There, the Barenthal's performance in that is amazing. Like as far as performances in this movie go, yeah. Like I was just like, man, I wish he he was Jeremy Renner's character. Yeah. Like I just wish he was acting in this whole movie. Um, I yeah, I, I don't know. Like that's the way I just. Well, here, so here's a bigger question. You. <laughs> This movie is so, the writing is so shitty. So, <laughs> if you kill somebody and you plant the body in a way to make it look like you're one, you weren't right to to you destroy evidence, whatever. You try and make it look frame somebody else. However, you want to think about it, then. That means you're gonna you're trying to get away with it, right? right. So either you run away, or you <laughs> you do something to make it difficult to prove that you are the one who committed right. this crime, yeah, and yeah. you stick around. So they choose to stick around, but then you have to know that the police are gonna come to where this dead guy was or even if he's not even if you they never find the body the police are gonna fucking show up right yeah. so why why do you hide the body and then wait around <laughs> just to murder police and make it like exponentially you know like you're definitely not getting away with that right like yeah. pick pick one like pretend you're not guilty or run away but don't 
pretend you don't like hide the body and then wait for more people to come so you can murder them. It's just, it's so stupid. And then on top of that, we meet the victim, victims, almost at the end of the film, but it's not like we knew who the perpetrators were either. It's no, so yeah. hiding, hiding that or leaving that outside of the audience's frame of reference and understanding is such a stupid choice. We would have been more invested in the movie had they started with that scene because it's a fucking compelling scene. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to watch and it's painful. And John John Bernthal is so so likable. Like, yeah. I mean, and you you really feel for those characters and you're angry for them. <laughs> and you just wait till the end of the movie, and, and there's there's just literally no reason i can think of to put put that off yeah and and it also um, like if you if you if you know and if it, let's say that scene is in the beginning of the movie or parts of that scene is in the beginning of the movie or give us a hint that these are the even though i, I don't know i just felt the tension in that scene wasn't as high as it could have been that could have been a very tense scene and then the mexican standoff thing that happened right before she goes to the door I think that undercut the tension as well, um, because I mean, at that point, I don't know why you. I, I don't know. There, there. I feel like there's protocol for that type of thing to happen. Uh, whether it's listen, we're gonna go back. We're gonna come here with a FTA uh, ATF <laughs> ATF uh, posse yeah. and some FBI agents. And we're gonna raid this place, and we're gonna stay here and make sure you don't leave. Like I feel like doesn't that seem like as grounded in reality as this movie tries to be? And like this is how you solve a murder. Doesn't that seem like to be once that Mexican scene? Once these people are pointing guns at cops, like I don't care what if it's private prop whatever, federal ground. Like it just seems like this is the way that this would shake out, not the way that it did. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I agree. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Th- those are those are the kind of issues, though, that, like, I just... Like, Sicario has... It's some of the most intense scenes uh, in recent memory. But it all felt plausible and realistic. And and even the more contrived moments with... with in that movie, it was John Barenthal. That was the most contrived, is when... Uh, he goes home with her to murder her. Spoiler for Sicario, I guess I should have said. Um, that felt a little contrived because it didn't seem realistic in, in a way. But And then, you know, of it, course... It, yeah, well, it also seemed like uh, kind of a betrayal of the character, what we knew about the character exactly. up to that point. But yeah. it's... Yeah. But, I mean, that, that movie had way more grounding in reality uh, for the most part. And this movie, it just... It, it tries just so hard to be, I feel like to be a by-the-numbers cop-solving case. Like, beat-by-beat, beat, you know, this is how you solve a, it, a murder. It doesn't, though, because in every one of those films, the cop meets the killer. The, yeah. the killer's hiding yeah. in plain sight. You're right. In this one, we meet them, and then they die in the same fucking scene. Yeah. It's... Uh, yeah. So again, like the more we talk about it and the more I think about it, the less I like this film. It just keeps happening. But at the, I just 
I, th I still think one of the worst parts is, like, the end, they on screen put this message about oh, yeah. exploitation yeah. and invisibility of life on the reservation and the whole movie is so fucking fascial and just such a superficial treatment of Native American characters and the, the issues they face and it just it, it just sucks like it it's so hypocritical seems so hypocritical to me you <laughs> No, I mean, I, I, I think you're right. Uh, I think, I think, I, I think that, you know, any any goodwill that he was trying to build, he, he doesn't. I mean, the, the I guess the way that to I don't know like have a Native American character that mattered in this movie, and uh, you know, uh, which the sheriff kind of matters, but and he's a decent character. He's, decent I mean, actor, he's but. kind of. Uh, no, the, I like the actor, but then there's not really, there. there's just a very one-dimensional kind of characterization. Yeah. Um, it doesn't go any further. So, like, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I, like, I, I, honestly, I don't know how to make this film work. I, I don't. You cut out, cut out all the shit about Jeremy Renner's daughter falling victim to this, cut out him having a son, being married to a Native American woman. Like, it's it it's just, it's a little offensive, and but none of it's necessary. It doesn't factor into, like, his motivation, you know. It just, like, have him have a relationship with the character whose daughter goes missing. Like, that is, that is plenty, and it also, you don't also have to be, there, there is a large. This is offensive. Doing it. This or, is a. This is very much now that you're saying it. It's kind of. I'm, I'm kind of realizing that this is very much a white savior film. It, oh yeah, and, no, it and, totally is. And uh, in many ways, um, yeah. yeah the, the the Native Americans are. I mean, they're too racked by. And like, okay, and yes, the so life on the reservation sucks, and it's it's really fucked up. Um, but this film does not talk about why that is uh it just it just sort of shows a car caricature of it um which is so weird because if you think back to sicario and the way that he, that movie deals with the drug war and the effects it has on the people that this drug wars it just what blows my mind or the fact that the banks take advantage in like yeah he deals with these social economical issues so well in these other movies and here it's just it's just not handled well at all it's conf it's so confusing that just it makes me think that director or script doctors were involved so at the end of the film it like it doesn't even matter that yeah. she's native american because that had nothing to do with it no. and yeah you're right like, it doesn't it, matter that her dad like her by all indications she had an okay like okay dad you know yeah and he wasn't irresponsible like no, it's and not she actually kind of accidentally met a decent guy yeah. who literally like died defending her. Yeah, but the the film we go into the res into this drug den, we kill somebody, arrest two guys, and then it just it just means nothing. There's it, it means nothing. Yeah, in the right. in the context of the rest of the film. Uh, I, 
yeah, I don't know. Uh, you want to wrap it up? Anything else you want to say? Uh, I mean, no. I, I no. can't. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I, talking more about this movie made me like it even less. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was okay. I mentioned that, but now that we talk about it, it's just more. It's more frustrating than uh, than anything. I think. Um, so next week, Colin is kind of a weird week. Uh, there's not a lot of things being in wide release, but. I am really interested in seeing Good Time, um, which I only caught the tail end of the trailer uh, for uh, when we uh, in front of Wind River. But I'm looking at reviews here, and it sounds sounds good. It sounds like a good time. I don't I don't get it. You what do you? What? I don't. What does that mean? The movie's good time. Like, it's a good time. I, I know. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, but it's playing here, so I don't know. What do you What do you think? Uh, I so I feel like I should know what that is, but I don't. It's a movie with Robert Pattinson. I, I came in right as it, the trailer was ending. I ran to get a, a soft drink because I was like dying of thirst. <laughs> okay. I came back. Um, well, you'll you'll have to refresh my memory. But honestly, uh, there's not a lot coming out this week, so let's just say probably. All right. And then there's not a lot coming out next week. Uh, and then the week after that, we can see 9-11, so it's all good. <laughs> Wait, so what comes out after? So uh, September 1st. Yeah, you, wow, you're right. Yeah. Uh, wow. We, are, we have hit a, a rocky road. Like, seriously, who, like, all you studios not making money? Put a fucking movie out that weekend. <laughs> yeah, right? There you go. You You have, like... You're not going up against a lot. Um, yeah, so, but then, yeah, it's not until the 15th that we really have choices again for a couple weeks. Um, well, no, the 8th, what, you know, I mean, I want to see It. Don't you want to see It? Yeah, no, no, I, I know, but, so, that's one movie. You mean but, multiple movies, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the 15th um, should be an interesting. I mean, I, f- I feel like we're probably going to see Mother. <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> Nothing like an, a lighthearted Darren Aronofsky film. <laughs> I can't yeah, laugh, right? laugh a minute. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, but after that, uh, there's Kingsman and Ninjago are coming out in the same time. Yeah, that should, I mean, we'll have to make a decision on that one. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we can skip, uh, I don't know, our fans are going to want us to see Flatliners. Oh, God, you're probably right. No, I'm, we're not seeing that. Dude, I... We love you guys. We're not seeing Flatliners. Uh, but, you know, October 6th, Blade Runner. Is the thing. I'm excited, dude. I am excited for that movie. Uh, yeah, uh, that and Geostorm are probably the two movies I'm most looking forward to. <laughs> Next upcoming month. Only one man was strong enough to fight climate change. <laughs> Gerard Butler in Geostorm. Gerard Butler as Al Gore in yeah. Geostorm. Uh, all right, well, I think that's going to so, do it. Sorry, I'm late. I just flew in from space. I don't know why I made him Sean Connery. That's the best I could do. <laughs> that's close enough, Gerard Butler. Oh, man, this episode was filled with laughs. At least I had a good time. I'm glad. Um, All right, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Midnight Film Review. We will catch you on the flip side. Okay, bye.